Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Den Todd's podcast is powered by denanywhere.com. You guys go to denanywhere.com now, no matter where you live in the world, and you can take our classes virtually and live. Go to denanywhere.com and sign up for just $29.99 a month. You get a limited access to our classes with over 150 a month to choose from. Plus, most of them are archived. So if you can't make the exact time, you can catch them later. We still also have our workshops and our certifications now all accessible to you no matter where you are. Go to denanywhere.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. And I'm here with one of our favorites, Gal Sassan. I know you probably just heard from him if you listen to the Den Talks Live, Closing Out 2020 and all that astrology. He is amazing. And today we are talking about Kabbalah or Kabbalah, however you want to pronounce it. And it's amazing. And the reason we want to talk about it is we are offering, Gal is offering a 10-week course starting Saturday, January 9th, each Saturday for an hour and a half at 10.30 in the morning. And a lot of people are like, what is it exactly? Is it culty? Is it scary? Is it magic? Is it religion? So we cover all that in this episode. But what I really love and the theme that really comes out of this is at the core it is a philosophy. At the core, it is a way to get to know yourself better. At the core, it is exploring oneness in different facets and what that means to get there. And it's fascinating, actually. And when you get into these conversations, you are going to be so excited to take this course. I am definitely taking it because there's so much to learn and I can't wait to learn it. And also Gal is just so brilliant between the history that you learn and the philosophy that you learn and the religion that you learn and the astrology. He always combines everything. So it really is an incredible course. So even if you know a little bit about Kabbalah or you've studied it, I suggest that, to try it because I think this will be a great course. It's all on denanywhere.com. So go there under certifications and courses and give it a whirl. Let us know what you think of this episode. Let us know if you want us to do more episodes on this. I feel like it's such a cool area and Gal's the perfect person to talk about it. Enjoy. <music> Yay, Gal! I'm so happy to talk to you. And for anyone who's tuning in, like you guys have to know how much I always am obsessed speaking with Gal. And please go back. He just did an incredible podcast that we released, Den Talks Live, where he's recapping 2020 and the eclipses that helped launch you into 2021. So if you, uh, and he just did an incredible workshop as well that you can get, which is the astrology of 2021. So feel free. Those are all on Den Anywhere. Amazing things to jump into right now. But what I get him here for now is in January, he's starting this incredible 10-week course on January 9th. It's an hour and a half for 10 weeks um, every Saturday, and it's for Kabbalah, 
or Kabbalah, as some people say, just to make sure no, someone's like, what's that? But Kabbalah, as I, am I pronouncing that correctly? That's how I pronounce it. Yeah. I mean, we don't really know how you're supposed to pronounce it. So it depends where you come from. But re I mean, in Hebrew these days, you would say Kabbalah, which yeah. the uh, emphasis would be at the end. But in America, I've noticed people don't understand when I say Kabbalah. They understand when I say Kabbalah. Kabbalah. It's like ba. Bah, yeah, that's uh, that's why I added an H to my name so people would stop saying gal, but we'll end it with a gal. Oh, know? did you add the H? Interesting, yeah, of course. I mean, when you're in Israel, everybody spells it G A L, and when I lived in Mexico, it's like gal, it's no problem. In England, they say gal, it's no problem. If the minute I came here, it became an issue, it became the everlasting A, it goes on and on and on, like gal. So I had to put the H like they do in uh, Torah or Kabbalah or Sarah. You know, it's like um, it's a limiting H. It's interesting because H in Kabbalah is associated with Aries. And it's almost like it's putting a, a border or a policeman, not a policeman so much as an army guy with a gun saying no more A's here. That's so funny. And also it gives you just the natural ah versus ah. Because, you know, I have the right. same problem with Tal, T-A-L. And my Israeli mom never chose to add the H, I suppose. And I, I say that a lot when people are like, how do you say your name, Tal or Tal? I'm like, it's as if there's an H. I go T-A-H-L, Tal. Um, that's so interesting. But again, it's interesting that Tal means dew. Basically, it's the water that comes at night. A gal means a wave, which has had to do with water. And maybe water needs that H. And H in Kabbalah is fire, Aries, to mm. kind of balance it. Uh, that's something we're definitely going to talk a lot about because in Kabbalah, names are very, very important. We actually did a workshop on names in uh, the Den Meditation a while ago. But the idea even behind Kabbalah is that um, once you understand what the meaning of the name is Kabbalah, you basically have a very free access to the information that Kabbalah uh, brings. The same way that if you know a person's name, you can address them, they, you can talk to them. And Kabbalah in Hebrew means a few things. It means, first of all, uh, to receive. And it means also to accept. It also means a tradition, things that were passed down through traditions. So even the name Kabbalah, it, it embodies what Kabbalah is all about, which is how to receive light in order to share that light. So how you can become a cable, if you want, which probably comes back to through Spanish to Arabic and, and to very similar to Hebrew, the ability to deliver information, to be hooked to the above and the below and become a tree, become somebody that connects the above and the below, somebody that strives to the sun and to the earth at the same time. And that is the essence of what meaning being a Kabbalist. It's not about necessarily he knowing Hebrew or changing letters around and creating um, craziness. It's basically about being a vehicle of light, being somebody that can connect and be connected to that source. So what would you say to someone who might be thinking about studying it? Like in that sense, would it be like, are, if you are looking for more depth of purpose, if you are looking to connect and be able to connect to who you are so you can share it, is this something that will help you do that? I think that Kabbalah teaches you to be an artist uh, that the medium is light. And that's why the first book in uh, Kabbalah is called the Book of Creation, which basically means to form or to create. So it's a vehicle to help you create, uh, create things that you need in your life, create more um, light be a representative an ambassador of god in a sense so 
Uh, if you want to say what is the best definition for Kabbalah, I think it's a Jewish mystical tradition uh, that is designed to help you receive light in order to share that light. So to become part of this engine of creation, of giving and receiving. And I think that studying Kabbalah makes your brain look at things differently. That's what I've noticed happened to me. Uh, I think that I was drawn to Kabbalah because I was kind of thinking that same way. And that's why it was easy for me to flow into that river of uh, uh, wisdom. I think that it teaches you to look at things from above, to get not a bird eye view, not an eagle point of view, but a God point of view. Like mm -hmm. Looking at things from above, seeing that even if something happened because of something else, there might be something even bigger uh, going on around. It's, it's helping you zoom out, in a sense, and look at things uh, in the perspective of oneness, in the idea that everything is part of the one, everything comes from the one, and flows back to the one. In many ways, if you start learning the I Ching, or if you learn uh, Sufism, I think it does the same thing. Those are doctrines that are supposed to help you see things uh, from above, not get to, not to get too caught up with uh, the time and space continuum that we have here, and still respecting it. Well, talk about the idea of, you know, for people to understand where religion does or does not come into play. It really depends on your personality. It's the same thing that you do yoga. You know, uh, you can do yoga, not even say Om Namah Shivaya, start immediately, you know, do whatever you need to do, play hip hop in the background or some classical music or jazz, whatever you want, and do it your way. You know, that's very disconnected, let's say, to the tradition of the religion. Then you can be somebody in India, very religious um, and do it the very, very classical way that has been done uh, hundreds of years there. So I think it depends on you. It doesn't necessarily depends on yoga. Uh, Kabbalah, the way we're going to deal with Kabbalah is more as a system of spirituality, a system of uh, psychology. Uh, for example, we're going to do our class on Saturday. That's not supposed to happen if you're <laughs> traditional, obviously, of all days. But I like the, to work on that on Saturday because Saturday comes from Saturn, Saturn in the tree of life, which we're going to talk a lot about in Kabbalah. The most important thing, I think, is the tree of life, um, is understanding or bina. It's the Shekhinah, the feminine aspect of God. Uh, Shabbat in Hebrew comes from the same root as to sit down, to meditate, to stop, to review, to reflect. If you're religious, they took it all the way to the point that you cannot start uh, switch on the light, you cannot cook, um, unless you're a woman, of course, and you turned on the oven before. They got too caught up, in a sense, for me at least, with uh, the Rules. details and the minutiae of things, instead of looking again from a bird eye view. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to try to look at it as a Jewish mythology in a sense, the same way that we take classes, for example, in Greek mythology, and we learn about the relationship between Jupiter and Saturn and the stories there. I'm not saying that there is such a thing, Jupiter and Saturn, but we're using it as a metaphor, a personification of archetypes or energies that we all experience in order to grow and mature and become better. Same thing with Kabbalah. We're going to use the 10 spheres of life, the mythology behind it, behind it to to change something in our life because Kabbalah basically is dealing with light and, and being able to create things in our life. And I found the best way to study something is we, if you have an incentive. And in this case, the incentive is your new year resolution or something you want to work with. The whole idea of the workshop came to me one time, a long time ago when I um, 
Zara started and she is teaching Kabbalah. And it was um, the idea that God created, that God had this wish to create us to be uh, God's image in a sense. That's something that Kabbalah talks about in the story of creation. God is everything that is, everything that was and will be. And yet God was that oneness that couldn't know oneself. Because in order for you to know yourself, you have to have an ability to reflect. Or if you know, if you want to look how you look, you need to have a mirror or look at a pond. But all of those things are external. They cannot be part of the one. So if one is everything, it includes that mirror. So God cannot look at oneself, God's self in the mirror. So God created the universe, us, in a sense, as an image. Let us create men in our own image. You know, that idea from Genesis is that if you are an artist, how would you know you're an artist? You have to create a painting. But the painting can't be in your head because it's in you. You have to put it outside of you in this on this canvas, you know, or if you're an architect in the street to build a house, whatever it is that you create needs to be in a sense outside of you. And it's a reflection of who you are. So in Kabbalah, they say that God withdrew from God's self in order to create that place of emptiness where Godness was one and no longer. And into that place, God poured the creation, which is basically a, reflect, a reflection of God's self. And this idea is also found in Hinduism, in Buddhism, in many different traditions, the idea of the one being lonely and wanting to create in order to reflect on oneself, to know oneself better in a sense. So the whole attitude is that God wished to have, God had the wish, and God's wish was to create us in order to know God's self better. So what we're going to do with Kabbalah and the Tree of Life is mimic God's recipe. We also want to know ourselves. Therefore, we're going to follow God's footsteps, which is the 10 sphere of the Tree of Life. It's almost like a recipe to manifest something in our life, knowing that we were created in the image of God. Therefore, we share something similar with God. And if God used the Tree of Life to create us, therefore, we can use the Tree of Life to create something in our own life. And so how talk about a little bit about how Kabbalah does that, how it allows you to then get the reflection of yourself. And is there a connection to why it exists? Like, again, if you're gonna connect those like spiritual little threads, is mm -hmm. there something to like why that was given to us? I think that, I don't know if it was given to, I mean, yes, definitely according to tradition, Moses Kibel, Kibel means received, uh, the Torah, the teaching, and Mount Sinai from God, what was it, 3,300 years ago, supposedly, but according to Kabbalah, he also received an oral tradition that was not written down and was passed down to Yeshua and then moved on to the rest of the uh, judges and eventually uh, to the prophets and written down. That's more the tradition. And that's why for Kabbalah, it was very important to anchor their knowledge in tradition because what they came up with are such crazy um, stories. And, and, you know, Moses transformed from a lawgiver into this wizard that has a staff, just like Marilyn and Gandalf. You know, it's a very, if you can say the Kabbalah is like a fantasy and the sci-fi of the Torah. You know, it's taking the Torah and taking the Talmud and taking all of this Jewish knowledge that was developed and infusing it with color and magic. For example, even the word abracadabra that so many people use on the planet, I think it is the most popular word for magic, um, abracadabra. There's no one place that I teach Kabbalah, whether it's Hong Kong, whether it was Singapore, whether it is uh, Mexico, Argentina, or Europe, uh, that or Turkey or, or Russia that don't know what abracadabra is. When I say abracadabra, nobody's looking at me. Uh, what did you just say? 
the words are actually in Aramaic, which is the language, the mother tongue, you can say, of Arabic and Hebrew. And abraketabra basically means I shall create that which I just said. So it's the power of the word. Think about logos or in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and God was the word from the, the uh, gospel of John. So the idea that what you say can create things comes from Kabbalah. That's the principle of Kabbalah because in the beginning, God said let there be light. And what happened? Of course, there was light, the power of the word. It's not God contemplated or God thought or God imagined or God, I don't know what, it's God said specifically. So that's another example of how they use in Kabbalah words, or you can call it, um, we call it today mantras. But for example, for every sphere in the tree of life, there is a name of God that we're going to chant together because that's kind of the access code. That's like the URL of that archetype, of that aspect of that one, of God. So what Kabbalah does, it says there is only one. Let's take that one because it's very hard to understand one and break it into 10. 10 is already the numerology. 10 is already the numbers that, you know, philosophers say that we can describe everything we want with numbers. And indeed we can through math describe everything. And then they remind us, wait, these 10 spheres, if you think about numerology, 10 is basically one plus zero, it's back to the one. So these 10 spheres are basically a kind of a revelation of the one to make it easier for us to discuss it. But we always have to remember that it's based come to the one, back to the one. So that is the story of creation. The one becomes many, and the many strive to do a lot of spiritual work. It doesn't matter if it's Buddhism or Kabbalah or yoga or meditation in order to see the oneness back again and return to the one. Once we return to the one, we open up again. So it's almost like breath, breathing in, breathing out, only that each breath lasts maybe a few billion years. You know, <laughs> so far the Big Bang has been 13.8 billion. And we're still expanding. So for me, it means that the one Godness is still inhaling for 13.8 billion years. It's probably going to take longer for that inhalation to be finished. And then when God or this oneness and the inhalation, it will go into um, exhalation. Are there any miniature versions of that? Like, you know, when you're, let's say, working on yourself or evolving, you have these moments, like those moments where you feel like, you've connected into it, you've transcended, like it could be a mm -hmm. crazy moment, it could be, you know, on a walk, whatever it is. And then of course, they don't last forever. It's, you know, unless I guess it's drug induced, and you keep going, but like, it doesn't last forever, then you kind of come back to like the real world, and you start, you know, building again and growing is that are those like mini little moments of like, things coming together within your individual self, and then going back, you know what I mean? I think those are moments that we hack into the one. Hmm. I like that. So um, it's not necessarily bad. The only difference between that word, I mean, the, the use of the word hack is hack mm -hmm. sounds as if I don't want it to happen. The one wishes for that to happen, you know, when we're ready. So for example, uh, like you said, the example of taking a drug or taking LSD or taking mushrooms and feeling part of the one, you know, I'm not saying I'm against it because I think that sometimes when you know that feeling, then you can replicate it. You know, right. a lot of time we do past lifetime regression. I had this uh, session, I think, in Zurich. It was really uh, dramatic for me because it was a woman who constantly felt depression and sadness and alone. And in that regression, she went really, really far. She went in between lives to that moment where she met some entities, some beings of light. 
And you know, I didn't. I did. I encourage her to continue because it's not a documentary. This this retrograde. Uh, this uh, regression. It's a way for a person to connect to the oneness wherever they choose to do it. Same way that I don't judge people, and I'm one of them who watches sci-fi and can cry, even though these are thinking that happens to aliens, and these don't even agree. They're muppets, you know. But still, it's really sad. So. <laughs> when she felt this enormous emotional love coming from these entities and it filled her heart, I told her, record this feeling right now. Because if you can feel it in this regression, you have the chemical and the intellectual capacity to also feel it in your personal life. So this feeling of being loved and this love that you're feeling through these entities of light, don't look at it as a longing or as if something you're missing. Look at it as a ability to record, to sample that feeling. And once you understand it, you can sample that and can experience that, then there is no reason why you won't be able to replicate it. So these moments of hack that we hack into that oneness, whether it's through a great yoga class or a deep meditation or looking at your kid and falling in love again with the kid for the fifth time in the same day because they've done something that reminded you of oneness, that's great. And those moments are moments of Kabbalah. In a sense, you have received a gift. And because you received that gift, you're in a better position to give that gift now to somebody else because you experienced it. It's so amazing. It's funny. I've had a, a bunch of those moments at different, totally different times. They've come in crazy different times. But one of them, which just came up because of you, um, was actually in Israel at the most random, I remember I was out, I was younger, like in my 20s, I think, and I was out at a club at night with my cousins. And it was just, I can't even explain it. It was just a fun night where I could feel it. I'm like, why do I feel like I'm connecting with every single person in this room? Like I could look at someone and feel like there would be a smile, love connection. Like it was just, and I could feel, I'm like, I am having so much fun. And I took the cab home that night by myself. And I could, I was like still vibrating like the whole way home. I'm like, what is this? This is amazing. Like what is going on? I was not on drugs. Like, so I was definitely attuned to being like, this is so crazy. And I could feel it. I'm like, I just love the world right now. I love the universe. I love my family. I love my, I, and I got out of the cab. I said, good night. I was talking to him. I said, good night. And I was standing. It was my grandmother was kind of in an old age community at that point. So I was, before I went into her little casita, I was standing there and I just started crying, just tears pouring down. And I looked up and I just said, am I crazy? Or am I just like super connected right now? Just show me something. And I swear two shooting stars just went over the sky. And then I just started bawling because I'm like, what is happening? And then I went to bed but and woke up feeling completely normal. But it was... And that one was always interesting because it was such a normal night. It's like, I was just out. There was just something in the energy that night of everyone. I mean, you know, you've also been out in Israel. There's like it, it, an energy that happens when everyone's like dancing and singing. And um, yeah, you attended the ritual. And in the ritual, there was a shaman and the shaman played music. And everybody uh, acknowledged the power of music because probably it was good music. And it was maybe a day when the planets were also in some form of harmony. And it was also something probably happening in your chart that moved Jupiter closer to whatever. So there is a million little moments, little things that came together in a sense to that oneness. They converge. You, feeling, you, you were feeling an experience of convergence. Now, to me, when I was listening to it, what I was thinking is, God is probably, God, I don't like to use that word, but the oneness probably is wondering, shouldn't it be reversed? 
shouldn't be you always feeling very, very connected. And once in a blue moon, you're disconnected because you're forgot about your oneness. And then you should be crying and freaking out and saying, what's wrong with me? Why am I not connected to the one? Instead, what happens to us, because we're fed from a very early age about this separation, separation of countries, separation of races, separation of gender, separation of skin color, separation of... We're so obsessed with separations that when there is a moment of unity, we freak out or we feel like we should go to an institution because I can't function with this oneness. I love everybody too much. Does that make sense? I mean, think about how the world would have been much better place if everybody would have felt that oneness. You're right. It should be that that's the norm versus the moment. It should be the opposite. And God, how great that would be. How lovely. Yeah. But it's, so it's interesting. So then talk about with Kabbalah, is it, talk a little bit about the origin of it. So. <sighs> I know that's a massive question. Um, no, I'm trying to think how we can condense it. I think that the idea, I think that Kabbalah, when I, I studied it as a secular person. So I'm sure that if you ask somebody who is very religious, they will tell you, Abraham wrote the book of creation. Um, 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 Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai wrote the Zohar in one, uh, the first century after Christ. You know, they will talk, they won't say after Christ, they would say uh, common era. So, you know, they would tell you the traditional story. What I've noticed when I read, when I read it and I studied Kabbalah, I've noticed that it get, all the time it was there lurking, like Sufism to Islam. You know, it's uh, the mystical tradition of Judaism that was passed orally because it wasn't the it wasn't the Bible like written down, and later on it passed into the Midrash, which was this body of legends and myths and stories. So. The Kabbalah was eventually written. I mean, there's two books that are very, very important. One of them is the Book of Creation. We think it was written around six, seven hundred CE uh, after Christ. And then the Zohar that was written in the 12th century, it was published around 1300. Uh, that was supposedly written, like we said, by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. But we know that it was written by Moshe de Leon in Spain, in Guadalajara, Spain, um, at the end of the 1200s. Okay, so that's... What I've noticed about Kabbalah is that every time there was a dramatic, difficult situation in Judaism or the story of Jews, it got a big uh, bump, got a big boost. And the reason why is because Kabbalah teaches you how to accept things and accept things from a paradigm view, like we said. So even if something bad happened to you, um, you accept it and you look at what is really the lesson behind it and you get the strength to move on the same way that you usually go to a psychologist not when things are amazing and great, but when things don't go very well and you need a time to reflect upon it. So that is, I think, what Kabbalah, it's a, it's a body of psychology, you can say, to help people deal with difficult things, to accept good things and to accept bad things. But usually it's harder for us to accept bad things. So if you trace and look back at the history of Kabbalah, you can see that the origin, origin of it is about 500, 600 BCE. You're going back to Babylon, Jerusalem was just destroyed. It was a big trauma for 500 years. There stood the, the temple in Jerusalem that Solomon built, that everybody was sure that God lived there. So what they knew is that Jerusalem is protected because God lives there. Who is going to damage Jerusalem? So even when um, the attacks of the Assyrian came to Israel and the 10 tribes were defeated, it didn't go to Jerusalem. That was another proof to people 722 BCE that God is protecting Jerusalem. No problem. 
And then there was a problem uh, in Jerusalem. They had a rebellion against the Babylons. The Babylons came, destroyed the temple, burned everything, and took the elite into exile on the rivers of Babylon. We sat and cried. You probably remember that. That's when Kabbalah was born in Babylon because there is a character called Yechezkel, he's um, a prophet, Ezekiel. And if you read Ezekiel 1, you'll see a whole description that for a lot of people is a description of a spacecraft landing. It's really amazing. You read it and please read it. It's, it's really beautiful written. Even there is a sentence there. I mean, there's a whole thing about uh, something glowing that lands on the on, in front of Yechezkel. The doors open and there's creatures, he says, that have wheels within wheels. God knows, ofanim, what does that mean? Wheels within wheels. They only go forward and back, not to the side. And they have the appearance of a bull with a lion with the wings of an eagle and the face of a human. He doesn't know how to describe them. They're creatures. And the first thing they tell him is human, ben adam. That's where the son of man comes from that later on Jesus used in the Gospels, if you remember. That's where it comes from, the son of man. And they stuff uh, a scroll into his, into his mouth asking him to digest it. It's huh. crazy stuff. Anyway, that is called Maaseh Merkava, the working of the chariot. And the chariot became a symbol, the earliest form of Kabbalah, you can say. We're talking about 2,500 years ago. Now, why did that develop then? Because we have a traumatic situation to the Jews or to Israelites or to the Judeans. They were taken out of Jerusalem. God is not in Jerusalem like they thought. So then they ask, where is God? And suddenly there is a vision of Ezekiel, the prophet, of seeing God come to Babylon. What does that mean? That God sits on a throne and the throne is moving. It's a Merkava. Merkava is a chariot. And just think about Hinduism, the Mahabharata. Where is uh, Arjuna, the prince, being taught by Krishna, the charioteer? On a chariot. So the chariot became a symbol in Hinduism, in Judaism, to meditation. Why? Because when you close your eyes, you can travel without movement. When you close your eyes, God comes to you. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to go to Varanasi. You don't have to go to Rome. That's the birth of Kabbalah. You can receive God where you are. I like to look at it as like a food truck, but a spiritual <laughs> food truck in a sense. God comes to you. You don't have to uh, go anywhere. There is no need for a Hajj to Mecca or to go to Jerusalem three times a year or to go to Varanasi or to pay homage to the Pope. You close your eyes, God comes to you. No problem. That's the origin of Kabbalah. So this episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. If you do not know what Magic Spoon is, you have to find out ASAP and go get yourself some because I don't know about you guys, but I spent my entire childhood eating cereal. In the mornings, it was the first thing I did. After school, I loved grabbing it. I used to sit in front of the TV and just eat my cereal. My friend, we used to love going to her house because she had that cabinet that was like, Whoa! and you open up the door and literally every possible cereal that you could possibly want with all the sugar in it of course was there versus my parents like it was my favorites but like it was a limited selection my friend had like every cereal it was amazing so anyway cereal is a huge part of my childhood like every once in a while when you know I was a little depressed in my 20s I remember getting a box of cereal and just pouring the milk in just to kind of give some comfort but then what happens like we grow up and we realize um it's a little too sugary probably not great for us I'm kind of eating way empty calories it's not giving me anything let's grow up and start eating a more well-rounded diet. But that's where Magic Spoon comes in. It's amazing. 
So it's created these incredible like cereals that are going to bring you back to your childhood. They are reminiscent. They are like them. But however, they are healthy. There's zero sugar. There's 11 grams of protein. What? 11 grams of protein? Imagine eating Fruit Loops with 11 grams of protein and only three net grams of carbs in every single serving. So they have four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. I love fruity because it reminds me of fruity um, Fruit Loops. I almost said fruity pebbles, which I also love, but it reminds me of Fruit Loops. And wasn't your favorite thing like drinking the milk afterwards? So imagine doing that with zero sugars and 11 grams of protein and only three net grams of carbs. It's huge and it tastes amazing. It's crazy. It really is too good to be true. And I know so many of you are on different diets and I promise you it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb and GMO-free. Everything free. How is this possible? But it is. So I'm telling you, don't walk. You have to run. Go on to magicspoon.com slash Dentox in all caps. That is your code. Do do Dentox at checkout and you will get free shipping as well. So magicspoon.com at Dentox. You can get all these different packs. You can get a variety pack. You can get your favorite flavor. But if you want to sit in front of that TV, especially during COVID times, and like watch a little TV and eat some cereal and feel good and bring yourself back to your childhood, but also be like, oh, I'm actually not doing anything bad for me. This is where you want to go. So magicspoon.com slash Dentox and use the code Dentox for free shipping. We truly thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast because it just makes us happy. Oh, and that's another thing. It is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you are not happy and for whatever reason you do not like it, they will refund your money. No question to ask. I think they're pretty confident. So that's pretty awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Magic Spoon. I was going to say, I have two questions from that. If that was part of the origin, did that ever actually go again? Like, were there moments where it had to go into hiding or it had to be pushed away? Because I would think that idea of God comes to you would rub against the idea of certain religious wants and needs of how to. Of course. I mean, there's a lot of people still in the orthodoxy that called a Kabbalah paganism because they think the, the names of God to the tree of life spheres appears to them like gods in the pantheon. Um, you can say also that there were, for example, the Kabbalah went through waves like everything else. And when it was resurrected by Baal Hashem Tov, let's say around end of the 16th century, uh, there were a whole group of mitnagdim, those that were against him, because he was one of those, he resurrected Kabbalah in a big way. And his whole philosophy is stop only quoting the Bible and, and anchoring everything you do according to the Bible. Why don't we teach telling stories? And he added music and he asked everybody to dress white and he added the klezmer, you know, the dancing that you still have in weddings with the Hasidniks. Then came the mitnagdim, those that are against him and they burned his books and it was a whole mess. And even the Hasidics today that are in uh, Brooklyn that you see them, they're blessed, they're dressed in black and white. It's not already the whole white that was Baal Hashem Tov. They're already the mixture of these things, but they do teach Kabbalah. But there's a lot of papers, places in Israel, for example, or other Judaism, Jewish, uh, um, you can say, streams that completely do not um, uh, accept Kabbalah. Because... 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. There's a lot of things in Kabbalah. There is kind of, uh, wow, that's kind of crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's why, for example, they didn't let anybody younger than 40 to study Kabbalah or somebody that doesn't have kids or women because they felt that you can get sucked into it too much. And that if you have kids, you have to wake up at six o'clock to get them to school. You know, usually it's the woman that actually does it, but let's say, you know. And if you have 40 or 40 years old, you're not going to get like uh, caught up in a lot of that and start questioning the other uh, creeds, in a sense, because some of the things Kabbalah said are completely out there. For example, in the last class where I know I don't want to spoil it, but give you the spoiler. But in the last episode of our uh, journey, the 10th one, we're going to actually talk about how God needs us, according to Kabbalah, in order to be God, that without us witnessing God, God will not be. And this is completely revolutionary and outrageous. That's very similar to uh, Neil Gaiman, if you know his book, uh, The American Gods, you know, uh, that gods need to be worshipped in order to get their power. That's an old concept that uh, really was mentioned in Kabbalah. But these are very deep philosophical things that they were afraid of. I mean, that's super deep because in that sense, couldn't it be like that's the choice of letting it have its existence or not having its existence, depending mm-hmm. on what angle you want to take of your life. Yeah. yeah, but that's also a very mature approach of oneness and realizing that what we really call God, even in Judaism or Jesus or uh, whatever it is that you believe in, it's an aspect of the one. It's not the one. Do you know what I mean? That there is a little bit, it's a, I wouldn't say lower in the sense that it's less, but I was just um, uh, I was just thinking about it last night when I went to sleep because I'm writing a young adult book now. And one of the characters, it's based on the tree of life. It's based on Kabbalah. And one of the characters is the gray one. The gray one is uh, wisdom. We're going to talk about him on the second week. And I was, I was trying to imagine, I always like to imagine these, um, these spheres as personification of a person. That's why, for example, even in the book uh, that I wrote about this workshop, A Wish Can Change Your Life, Every chapter, every week we're going to go through, we're going to meet a mythological character. It could be, I know it sounds really strange, Dracula. It will be Mercury. It will be the Dalai Lama. It will be Moses. It will be um, Paldem Lamo. It will be Gandalf the Grey, you know, to explain wisdom, which is great. So I like it because it, it, it activates my imagination. And imagination is the way to access this kind of information. So I was thinking, who, who is this gray guy, this gray uh, wisdom? Wisdom is the great father. 
And then I thought about his life just for a second. And I thought, you know what he is? He is this guy who was a warrior and he fought things that most of us can't even see because he's a wizard as a kid. And then he grew really, really strong with it and really powerful. And eventually people started asking him for things because he had more power and he got more power from their belief in his power. And it started growing to the point that he became the gray clouds and eventually a mastery over the um, a, a lightning bolts, like, like a Zeus, like El, like all of these usually male gods of lightning. And what is the male god's lightning job? To fertilize the earth, which is the goddess, to bring rain upon the earth. So the earth, which in the tree of life is understanding, so understanding can come up and we can understand things. Because wisdom is this idea of aha moments, like you talked about before, this um, moments of clarity. That's what the wizard is. The great witch, which is Mother Earth, Mother Nature, she grows things, but she needs the water. And what she takes is the wise and wise wisdom, wise, let's say, intuition of uh, the gray one, and she raises it as real beings. So while the gray one think about trees, she grows trees. Hmm. He thinks about seas. She's making the oceans happen. And then I thought one through a moment in his evolution of this gray one, he realized, wait, I'm powerful. Some people see me as God. You know, I even thought about how he starts believing his believers and he starts feeling like a God. And that's when he realized, but I'm not, because I'm not the one, I'm part of the one. Mm -hmm. And that humbles him and made him more powerful. And that's why wisdom, for example, is the mirror of the one. That's why Sufis say, if you want to see who is the perfect man or a woman, it's somebody who sees God in everyone that they meet. So that's an example of how you work with the philosophical idea of wisdom in the tree of life. Gray, we know that it's gray. We know that it's the mirroring of the one. And then you give him a story. You give him a backstory in a sense. You make him a character. You follow his growth. And I'm saying he because uh, wisdom is considered to be masculine. Understanding is feminine. Until you realize that that one, that's not the one. That's an aspect of the one, you know, and that's something that we all go through in our evolution. We grow, we grow, we grow, we get really powerful. It doesn't matter if it's through money or through uh, fame or if it's through whatever it is that you're doing. And then you get to the point where you realize it doesn't matter how much powerful I am. The one is acting through me. It's not my power. It's the one's power. It's necessity like the Greek used to call it, the highest uh, goddess in Greek tradition is not Zeus. It's necessity, ananke. Things that need to happen, happen. Why? We don't know. You're not the one. The one knows. The one is everything. Everything happens for a reason. Let's call it necessity. So you're now uh, in the East Coast and I'm in the West Coast. Why? It was necessary. Why? I don't know when you're going to die and you're going to lose your body and you lose space and time. You'll see everything from a you know, and from the one perspective, and you realize why it was necessary. So that's how we're going to try to view Kabbalah. I love that. And it's so interesting with like a lot of the guru stuff. We've talked about this before, but with like a lot of the guru stuff that's going on now and kind of, I feel like we're in an interesting time. For a while, I felt like it was the fall of the guru. But weirdly, I feel like within that, there's a new, it's almost like there's a new version of that as well. Like people are there are a sect of people grasping kind of to be told how to think or what to do. So it's almost like new gurus are being created and it's good. Yeah. 
I mean, what is guru? Guru is a person who feels good enough about himself or herself to say, I will represent the one for you. So you need unity, unite around me. So it doesn't matter if it's a politician or if it is a movie star or if it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's a guru from India or an economic guru uh, uh, in, uh, in Chicago. You know what I mean? It's basically, I will do for you that job of connecting you to the one. And then everybody gives that person energy. Energy like prayer, energy is like thoughts, energy is like uh, forwarding the tweets, whatever. Every time you forward the tweet of somebody, you're praying to that person. You're mentioning that person. You're putting their tag, tag meaning that you give them some points, uh, some prayer, some power, some energy force around them. And a lot of time, if the person doesn't have a, a healthy ego, he cannot contain it. And then they start really thinking they are the one. Oh, wow. All these people love me. I have a million followers. Well, I guess I'm doing something right. Oh, wow. I got 43 million impression. Well, I'm, I must be right. Uh, no, you're not. You just have a good PR machine. You know what I mean? So what happened is that people start taking themselves too seriously, thinking they are the one. And then we're in trouble. You know, that's why I told the story of, of wisdom, because I'm not talking about just a guy that might have some followers in Twitter. I'm talking about a guy who can control weather, who can bring clouds and, you know, talking about that kind of idea. So it is always tempting. Right. It's And it's your story of wisdom. It's interesting because it is that thing. It's like you build wisdom to share. And then when does when do you continue raising with the wisdom or when does it get you, I guess, is kind of that. It's, it's fascinating. We have so many certifications and a retreat coming up all for January or getting ready for 2021. The retreat is actually December. The last little bit, it ends December 31st. It's nine to six starting December 27th through December 31st. It is virtual. You can do it from anywhere. Go on to denanywhere.com, get the information. It is going to be an incredible um, retreat and way to go within yourself, learning self-care and also learning how to handle the ups and downs so that when you go into 2021, you are strong. So I think it's a perfect way to finish this year off and to start the next year. Again, it starts December 27th and ends the 31st and it's nine to six every day for five days. And it's with Heather Preet, who's incredible and anyone who's ever done a retreat with her knows how transformational it is. But we also have a bunch of certifications and courses happening in January. So it's really a great way to start 2021. Teacher training, I know I've said it before, starts January 7th. It's a 400-hour teacher training program. It's not even if you want to be a teacher. If you do want to be a teacher, we've had so many incredible teachers develop from there. Um, but it's also an amazing way to just deepen your practice or get a strong practice going or just to understand more and dive deeper. It is going to be incredible. Again, go to denanywhere.com, get all of the information. We are accepting applications now. Also, intuitive healing, the basic training starts January 10th and the advanced starts January 12th. And Reiki, if you want to get Reiki certified, that is February 7th. Also, an incredible course on Kabbalah from Gal Sassan, who you know is one of our favorite astrologists. Um, and so if you want to learn about Kabbalah from him, it's about a six-week course starting January 9th. So all this is on denanywhere.com. Go to certifications and courses and take a look at what's happening. And again, don't forget that retreat. What an unbelievable gift to yourself and way to really make sure that you're evolving the way you need to. You said something earlier about the chariot. You said, was it Merkava or Merkaba? Yeah. 
Merkava. Merkava, even if you go and Google Merkava these days, probably you're going to get images of a tank because the first tank that Israel built on their own was called Merkava, the chariot. So interesting, because I was thinking of Merkaba. You know how they talk about Merkaba, the way the energy can move? It's like a Merkaba. there. So that's there. so interesting that... Yeah. It's, uh, it's Merkava. And Merkava is basically a chariot. So even today, if I say Cinderella went to her Merkava uh, from pumpkin, you know, it's a chariot. It's a vehicle. Yeah. Uh, again, the same thing with Hinduism. It's a chariot where the where the Mahabharata was basically conveyed, you know, the chariot of war. Uh, that's one, uh, the reason why in the tarot card, there is uh, a card called the chariot. It, it's associated with cancer. And cancer is the womb. You know, we talked about it, I think, that when people say that they don't know how to meditate and they can't meditate, one day I thought about it, wait a minute, we all meditated for nine months when we were in our mother's womb because we traveled without movement. We were not moving, and yet we traveled. Some of us traveled to different countries, but we were inside the goddess, inside of the mother. So for nine months, what did you do there? I mean, yeah, at first you're just a few cells, but you know, towards the end, you're kind of like a little baby just floating in water. What did you do? I don't know. What did you think about? You meditated. It was dark. You closed your eyes. And you were very much aware and you meditated for nine months. That's a long time to meditate. So anybody who can't meditate for nine minutes, it's not true. You can. You just don't want to. It's boring. Maybe it's difficult. But you always have to remind yourself that you meditated in your mother's womb. And that's why cancer, which is the sign of the womb, is the terror card for the chariot because it is the vehicle. That's so, by the way, that's such a brilliant way to look at meditation because you do get that a lot of people like I can't do. It. And I always say that to them like, everyone can do it. It might not feel great. It might not be comfortable, mm -hmm. but you can do it. So I, one of the things I've noticed, and I can't wait to take your course to really understand a Kabbalah much deeper and better, but I feel like you, I notice when people get really into it, it's because it feels like it stimulates people in different ways. So it's almost like there's something for everyone. So for instance, like it could be this deep spirituality and finding this connection. It can be a little bit like what you were talking about with the numbers, numbers signi mm -hmm. signifying everything. It's philosophical. So I feel like it allows people, again, no matter how you tend to operate, whatever you're doing at every moment, it allows you a different medium. I don't know if medium is the right word, a different path of how you can like dissect that moment. So if you're someone who does numbers or symbolism, it's there for you within Kabbalah. If it's someone mm -hmm. with names, you know, or letters, it's there for you. If it's about, you know, just philosophy and, and I, so I, I have noticed that where I find different people kind of talk about it or connect to it in different ways, which is what makes it seem so interesting. Like there's so much mysticism as part of it too, and almost like magic. Yeah, because uh, first of all, it's an it's it's interested in transformation. You know, uh, for example, when I was teaching Kabbalah in Bur Bulgaria, one of the ladies told me, you know, in the communist era during when I studied in uh, uh, Russia, in the dictionary in the communist era, if you look at Kabbalah, it says a form of black magic. That's a definition in the communist. Of course, it's a communist. Uh, it was a communist country, you know. So for them, everything mystical or religious is either a drug or magic. But it's interesting that Kabbalah got the, the definition of black magic because for many people, Kabbalah, like we said, abracadabra is associated with transformation. The transformation is true. It's ultimately creation. Every time you create a, a painting, every time you create a baby, every time you create a business, every time you create a relationship, you are dealing with magic. 
You're mm. dealing with transformation. That's what magic is. And magic is defined as something out of nothing. You thought about having a kid. After nine months, you suddenly have a baby. It's magic because you just thought about it. Yeah, you made love. Okay, so I made love. So what? So one cell met another. Okay, you're describing to me the magic, but it's still magic. It was nothing. I'm telling you I want to have a baby. And nine months after, we have it. So same thing with business, same thing with art form, same thing with music. You know, so there is an element of that. But if you look at the tree of life, the way we're going to work with it is learn about the, the, the color because every sphere has a different color. Severity, which is war, for example, and aggression is red, of course. And mercy, which is blue um, and compassionate, is very much like water. So we also, every sphere has a number. So we're going to mention what the number means and how to look for numbers. Every sphere has an astrological a sign or not a sign, but more a planet. The tarot cards are between there. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you can tap into a diff different brain centers, you can say, or things that stimulate you or connect to you much more. So we're trying to make it as engulfing as possible. You know, I love that you just said about magic. And it's true. I mean, it's so true. You're right. You're creating something out of nothing. But when you say it like that, you're reminding someone that you have to be part of magic. Mm -hmm. Because I think we all have this idea, you know, from the fairy tales, it's like magic is literally like, you know, snap and it happens. But even if it's just the idea of manifesting, even if it's just the idea of putting the thought out there or using the words or creating the business or doing things like you have to be part of the process of magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that magic just got a really bad, bad name, especially in the Middle Ages, where if you had any kind of sickness, the priest will have to splash holy water on you. Um, and that was magical thinking that got us into a lot of trouble. And that's why a lot of the earlier forms of magic and transformation were ridiculed later on in the age of uh, reason. And the age of reason came because the age before was completely unreasonable. But if you look at uh, the old astrologers and the old Kabbalists and the old Sufis that were creating these little acts of miracles, a lot of them were highly educated doctors at that time. You know, especially in Kabbalah, a lot of the biggest rabbis were making a living by being a hardcore doctor, not a witch doctor, but a doctor to the... Uh, um, caliphates or to the people that were ruling back then in the Muslim world, especially in Spain. So the, the, the medicine was very much part of their understanding. So it was not like it was separated from science. It was part of science. Or so let's say a person would come and try to heal the, uh, the nobleman or the noble woman, they will still give them herbs that actually works, but they might actually do other work in the more subtle a body to try to quicken the healing, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I think that uh, magic got really bad, re bad vibe and it was pushed towards fantasy thinking or infantile thoughts uh, when really there is a lot to, to work with it. And I think that once we get more deep into quantum mechanics, I think some of it is going to come back through the entanglement, through uh, the probability waves and things like that that are going to remind us that now we have scientific words for magical process. It's so true. It's like all this alchemy and all the stuff that has you got pushed aside as quote unquote magic. You, that's so fascinating. It's it's really fascinating. And and then the power of the name, like you were saying, and how that is really important as Kabbalah. I remember I was um 
my last time in Israel was actually with Marianne Williamson. She was doing a group and we went to the Kabbalah center, um, the main center there. And they did a whole thing, you know, showing us kind of taking apart like the letters and the significance of each letter and how, what the spelling of your name, how it brings you back to you. So they did Marianne and it was unbelievable. I mean, and again, it just felt very magical, but mm -hmm. again, it goes back to the oneness. It's like, well, if everything's birthed from the right, from the same place, then everything does have a meaning and significance and an energy behind it that is going to tie it together. Yeah. Everything is one. So it's just about our creativity to see how it's all connected. I love this. I think this course is going to be so mind blowing. If, um, if you could say anything, if someone's just nervous because they feel like, remember that it's like, what's the red, what's the red bracelet about? Yeah. The red string, for example, we're going to talk about it in the, um, fifth, uh, meeting, which is on severity, because the whole idea was that if you have a red string coming from the tomb of Rachel, Rachel was considered to be one of the, um, archetypes of compassion. Um, she was the beloved of Jacob, if you remember, one of the mothers in the Bible. So her tomb is in Bethlehem. So if the if the if the string came from there, or if it came from the cave of Elijah in Mount Carmel, that's where I always go to uh, put my red string. It's a cave where Elijah was hiding when he was fighting with a uh, battling a wizard war against four hundred wizards, if you remember, of Baal. Anyway, the red string has to come from those two specific places. And you're supposed to put it on your red, it's supposed to put it on the left uh, wrist because the idea is that left, like in yoga, left absorb, left is the feminine energy, it's closer to the heart. So you have a chakra here in your hand, so in your palm. So if negative energy comes to you through that palm, then there is the roadblock of that red string. Red is severity. Remember, we talked about red is the warrior, the fighter, Mars. So Mars is fighting with that and pushing it away. It's like a vaccine against um, negativity. It's like, interesting. Oh, I didn't know that actually. Because I just wanted to like quell anyone who's like, well, Kabbalah, is that like a cult? Is it a thing? Like, I just want people to understand. the. Yeah, that's why we're doing it on Saturday. So uh, we are not trying to make anybody religious. <laughs> I'm definitely not religious. I am immune to religiousness. Um, and uh, we're going to, again, we're going to use it more as a, a system of psychology, a system of mythology. We're going to have meditation. Uh, we're going to have uh, um, talking about the, the name of God. Sometimes I'm going to show you clips of movies. For example, when we talk about the wizard, I'm going to show you a little piece from uh, Lord of the Ring because there's some moments there that completely embrace it. Then when we talk about mercy, I'll show you the commercial for the paraplegic uh, Olympics from 2012, because there is a moment there that is very Kabbalistic. So we're going to talk about art, for example, when we talk about the seventh sphere, we talk about King David, I'll play you the song uh, Sting song, and the song from um, Hallelujah from uh, Leonard Cohen, because they were inspired by the story that we're going to mention. So I'm trying to put everything in the context of art, uh, of psychology, of mythology. We're going to talk a lot about mythology. For me, it's like a ride in a spiritual theme park. I mean, and the bonus is, if you work on it well, you can manifest your wishes. I mean, I've been doing it, this book I published in 2003. Since then, it's almost 20 years when people still are using it. It's translated to many different languages and it works. And that that's an interesting because I mean that alone I mean everybody's like how do you manifest how do you create is it something 
talk because you said if you do the work, like what does that mean? Like how much, like how does that work? Um, you come with, uh, we'll talk about it in the first uh, meeting that you come up with the wish that you want to work with. And the wish needs to be something that is only for you. So you don't involve magic of other people and, you know, causing other people to change their life. It has to do something that can create more light in the world. It has to do something that can allow you to give more after that, because these are the criteria of how God created the universe. So we're going to have to make sure that your wish is congruent with God's wish in a sense. And then you're going to have 10 weeks to work on it. Every week you add to your wish something that relates to that archetype. So if we're in severity, for example, which is, we said, uh, fighting, war, you're going to have to cut certain things out of your uh, wish. In understanding, you're going to have to understand your wish more. And there's exercises, there's meditation, there's visualization. So basically it gives order for you on something that you know work. There is no like crazy magic uh, spell. And if you know that magic spell and you say it like this, it will happen. It's it's the work that you put and and, and basically putting a lot of uh, um, power of imagination and faith and intellectual um, pursuit over something that you want to change in your life. So I think it just works. Oh my God, I love that. And it goes back to what we were just saying is magic only exists when you are part of it. Of course. Um, yeah. This is going to be amazing. I'm so excited. I'm taking it. I can't wait. Oh, thank you. And just so everyone knows, go to denanywhere.com, sign up. It is there under courses and certifications. It starts January 9th on that Saturday, 10 to 11.30, correct? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Uh, 10.30 to 12, I think. To tw sorry, 10.30, starting at 10.30 in the morning for an hour and a half, 10 weekends in a row on Saturday, starting January 9th. It's going to be so good. Well, thanks a lot. And... Um... Have a great rest of the year, and uh, we'll definitely meet in 2021. Isn't that crazy? We're here. We did it. 2020. We did it, you guys. Yes. I just did it. We're not quite yet. Almost there, and we've got a big bang coming. But um, I and we're on the new moon today, correct? Today's the new moon and the solar eclipse. Today, yes. Today is the eclipse. Yeah. yeah. I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? Pretty good, I think. But it's only the beginning of the day. God knows. <laughs> That's true. I'm ha I'm halfway through and I'm still feeling okay. So, okay, um, shoot, what was I just going to say? Oh, I saw a very funny post about 2021, which I thought was really funny. And the, and they they were basically like, okay, nobody shout about 2021. Nobody gets super excited. Let's just come in quietly. Let's just do what they say. Just tiptoe in. And I just thought it was so funny because it is that idea that normally in the beginning of the year and 2020, everyone's like, whoa it's going to be amazing. And this time it's like, just be really quiet about it. Don't let like, almost don't let anyone hear you. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. We've been humbled. Yes. A lot of people have been humbled. Yeah. I hope so. I hope that as a society, we've been humbled. I hope, I hope, I hope on a grander scale, we've been humbled. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can tell some people have been, I don't know if it's as grand as I wish it were. Maybe there'll be a tipping point, but um, I think it will be easier 2021, but it definitely comes after 2020, which is not easy. Right. You said that actually in the workshop, so which I loved, which you were like, nothing's wrong with 2021 when you're looking at the at the astrology. If it were separate, you'd actually be like, oh, this is a pretty good year. The problem is it's just coming off of 2020. Then, so yeah. you have to like, consider that energy mixing with that. And that's what makes it a little bit tougher. Yeah. But we'll um, move through it and move forward. Eventually, return to the one, even if it's going to take billions of years. Inhale, exhale. Yeah. <laughs>
for billions and billions. A very deep, deep inhale. A long, slow inhale. Um, thank you. I love having this. I always, I mean, I love always talking to you. It always, I always have, a, I know I, I always get off and then I'm like, oh my God, but now I want to know this. I want to know this. I want to know that. Um, but thank you. And to everyone listening, I'm telling you, you just taking a course with Gala is always mind expanding and soul expanding. And you can't really ask for anything more, especially if we've learned anything in 2020. I feel like that's what we all need. Well, thanks a lot. And, um, We'll, we'll meet January 9. See you, January. help of the good Lord. I'll see you later. Thanks, Gal. Thanks a lot. Okay, bye. Bye. Ten Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.